Hello and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and... Tom. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Hmm. I thought you might be great. Are you celebrating a draw? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. That draw was very precious to us. Anyone leaving the London Stadium or anyone coming out of their house around East London would be sure that West Ham won that game from the reaction of the fans leaving the stadium. Yes. So here we are uh, on the Learn English uh, Football Podcast to talk over, to go over, to dissect uh, an exciting, typical Premier League match. 2-2 between my favourite team, Arsenal, playing away from home against Tom uh, and his favourite team, uh, West Ham United. Um, and it was uh, it was a feast of football, uh, a feast being a big meal. Um, and um, for, for the neutrals, Tom, I imagine uh, it was a spectacle, something wonderful to see. Uh, it was a game of two halves, shall we say, like most football games. But this one really was a game of two halves because Arsenal totally dominated the first half and West Ham deserved to come back into the game and equalise in the second half and that was how it finished 2-2 but it wasn't that simple Tom was it um, and as you say People across East London will have been celebrating this draw like a uh, victory, uh, not only in East London, Tom, also in Manchester, that would have been celebrated like a victory. But north of the River Thames in North London, which is uh, a red part of London, it was a very sad day. It was it was two points dropped as opposed to a point gained. Tom, would you would you agree that that was a point uh, one as uh, rather than two points dropped for West Ham? But West Ham, certainly, that victory, we didn't have any expectations of a victory, even though we were playing at home. Uh, we were aware of our last home game when Newcastle came down, another uh, top uh, team, and scored five against us. So we had no expectations for a victory, uh, which made the draw even sweeter, especially after that appalling start from a West Ham point of view, we I, I have to say, as you know, I texted you, I, I came in, joined the game late, came back from a late lunch, 10 minutes played, we were already 2-0 down. I said, what a shame the contest is over. Uh, I'm so yeah. glad it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't respond to that message at the time, Tom, and I'm so happy I didn't because I nearly sent some really abusive messages, really to rub salt into the wounds, and that means to to make to to say something which makes somebody's suffering even greater, and that's that's atypical of me, Tom, because I do like to uh, to rub salt in the wounds, and to be atypical means not to be typical behaviour. Um, you so you let's... certainly do like a bit of banter. What, I do banter? like a bit of banter. <laughs> yes, banter is like jokey insults. The insults you can only say to your friends. I do, I do like a bit of banter, especially football banter. I think football is one of the uh, few, few opportunities in society where you can have a bit of banter and uh, not be accused of anything. Um, so let's get into this first half. 
Arsenal started and they were absolutely purring. And purring uh, is the sound a cat makes when it's happy. But if you say an engine is purring or a team is purring, it means they're playing wonderful football. Uh, Arsenal were passing it around with speed and with great intention, uh, moving the West Ham team out of position constantly. And after very little time, after only seven minutes, Gabriel Jesus continued his good run of form. And it was a wonderful goal, Tom. Uh, Saka got the ball on the right-hand uh, wing as he does. He attracted the, the defenders, even though he had no real intention of dribbling past the defender. He did attract two defenders. He played a clever little inside ball to uh, Martin Odegaard, uh, who played a wonderful pass to an overlapping Ben White, who slid a low ball across. It was impossible for Fabianski or any of the defenders to stop the low cross. And there it was, Gabriel Jesus waiting at the far post. Um, and to be honest, it looked and felt very easy. And it, I, at this point, Tom, I was thinking this is going to be a nice day. This is going at, to be one of those stress-free days. At this point, we're only about six minutes into the game, aren't we? Seven minutes. Gabriel's goal, uh, Jesus's goal was on seven minutes. Yes. Um, and and very shortly after, I mean, if, if you blinked, you almost missed the second goal. Blinking is the when you want your eyes automatically close every few seconds. Um, Martin Odegaard. Uh, volleyed in from the far post. It was a, uh, it was, it was kind of like knock on the door until it falls down from the Arsenal defence. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli tried a cross from the left hand side. It was half defended, and when I say half defended, I mean they stopped the immediate danger, but they didn't get rid of the ball a long way. Um, it fell to, a, it fell back to the Arsenal players who played it out to Martinelli again, and uh, this time he played a wonderful curled cross into the far, uh, into the into the back post, the second post, uh, as they would say in Spanish. And uh, Martin Odegaard was all alone, Tom, absolutely all alone at the back post. David Boys must have been pulling his hair out. I'm Imagine if you had been seeing this instead of having your lunch, Tom, you would have been pulling your hair out as well. Um, and Odegaard just just calmly volleyed it into an, a, a, a goal. And Tom, I did send a message at this point. I sent a message to my friends. I've got a friends and Arsenal friends WhatsApp group. And I said, time to reel in the Manchester City goal difference advantage. Uh, to reel in is a phrasal verb that our Fisher men and women will appreciate. Is It's the action you do on a fishing rod uh, when you want to make the string get shorter and you want to bring the fish closer to you. So if we wanted to reel in the Manchester City goal difference, it means to, to get closer to that goal difference, which, of course, in the Premier League is so decisive. So, Tom, at 2-0, I was thinking about, is it going to be 4 or 5 or 6-0? What was going through your head at 2-0? At 2-0, I was making the same complaints I've been making all season about the tactics of West Ham and David Moyes. Uh, I could see that we needed to uh, to really get back into the game. However, we were playing against a team that was superior in possession. They weren't necessarily superior because every player on that Arsenal team is better than every player on the West Ham team, but because they have been coached to play the ball out from the back. Uh, Arsenal were much more in control, uh, receiving the ball in tight spaces with, uh, you know, and, and working the ball up through midfield starting in defence, 
building their attacks from the bank. So it was very frustrating to see West Ham were unable, as they have been unable to do the same all season. When we are under pressure at the back, we hit the ball back to our goalkeeper, Fabianski, and he hits a long ball into midfield where it becomes a 50-50 battle, uh, a fight to try and regain possession. So at this moment in time, I was complaining as usual, about the David Moyes tactics until minute 37. Minute 37 was when... 33. Sorry, 33. Thank you. I stand corrected. That was the moment where actually Thomas Partey got caught in possession. Declan Rice closed him down very quickly and uh, managed to intercept a ball that he was playing forward. It bounced off Declan Rice's chest. I think Thomas Partey might have tried to appeal that it was a handball. Uh, and Declan Rice then uh, played a pass to Lucas Paqueta, who, uh, who had a bit of a heavy first touch in the penalty area. But the fact is these days is that if you receive contact after that first touch and you go down as Paqueta did with a bit of a dramatic dive, I must say. It was a, a little bit of, of what we, we might say uh, a melodramatic fall to the ground. But the referee will give a penalty, despite the fact that uh, he would not have got Paqueta wouldn't have got the, the ball that he, uh, he he knocked in front of himself. So at that moment in time, I thought, oh, maybe this possession football isn't always such a good idea because Saeed Benrahma stepped up to take the penalty. He scored it very well and West Ham were back in the game and it changed the feeling. It changed the atmosphere and the momentum of the game. Well, it certainly did uh, change the feeling, but it'd be interesting to for our listeners maybe to compare how you considered the goal and how I considered the goal. Um, Thomas Partey, did have a heavy touch. He tried to uh, chip the ball over Declan Rice, who did a very good job of pressurising Thomas Partey, not just at this moment in the match, but kind of from this moment in the match for the rest of the match. However, there were strong shouts for a handball. I think video evidence shows that it does touch the hand. I personally, I actually agree with you, Tom. I actually think it wasn't a handball. I'm not in favour of every contact uh, of the hand being given a handball. And the reason I don't think this should be given a handball is because it was kicked from very short range, uh, less than a metre, into Declan Rice's chest. And from his chest, it deflected onto his arm. So for me, there was absolutely zero intention for Declan Rice to, to either try and make contact with the ball. He wasn't trying to make his, his body bigger in any way. He wasn't trying to gain an advantage. And I also think there was enough time between when that handball was committed and when the foul was committed for the penalty. So um, I know a lot of Arsenal fans online today are complaining about the handball. They're saying it shouldn't have been a goal. They're saying it's the VAR conspiracy. Um, I don't think that. And I think if we want to be fair to referees, then we need to acknowledge decisions that we don't like when they go against us, not just say a referee's had a good performance when our team gets five penalties and the other team gets three red cards. So I can understand why some Arsenal fans were complaining. I was also complaining at the time, but seeing the replays, I think you've got to say that it was good. It was good midfield pressure from Declan Rice. And if you're Declan Rice and that's given against you as a handball, you're thinking, what else can I do? I can't cut my arm off. Um, how, 
However, Tom, the where where I have an issue is uh, Lucas Paqueta. Where did you find him? In Brazil or in Hollywood? Oh my <laughs> God, what a dive! If you see it, Gabriel, the Arsenal defender, lunges in, and to lunge is to make a jump, maybe a little bit out of control in a certain direction. He lunges in. But he sees the heavy touch from Paqueta. He removes his leg and Paqueta actually changes his stride direction. Your stride is how you move your legs in when you're walking or running. He changed the direction of the stride of his left foot to induce, to create the contact with Gabriel's knee. And he went down like a sack of spuds. Um, a, sack, a spud is a potato. A sack is a bag. If you can imagine dropping a bag of potatoes, it goes down very quickly. Um, and to go down like a sack of spuds is an expression to mean to very to fall to the ground very quickly. And as you say, Tom, by the time the contact was made, I think Rob Holding had cleared the ball. So at the point of contact, I would argue that Paqueta didn't have the ball and therefore it shouldn't have been a penalty. But, Tom, that wasn't the deciding moment in the game. The deciding moment in the game was how Arsenal reacted to that goal. Uh Arsenal, if we want to be title contenders, if we want to win the win the league, we have to be able to be better than moments in matches that go against us. When the things don't go your way, um, you need to find a way to 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 reset, to to reimpose your domination, and to stop the other team getting confident, and to stop the opposition crowd getting confident. And that's what I noticed yesterday with that first goal, Tom. The, the the London Stadium, which is normally like a museum, um, actually <laughs> sounded quite actually sounded quite animated for yeah. a change. Um, Coming from I, someone who used to go to Highbury the Library, that sounds a bit rich. <laughs> yeah, well, we've upgraded our atmosphere. You've downgraded yours. Upton Park was a wonderful atmosphere. But anyway, uh, the museum did have some 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 good fans uh, supporting. There was lots of uh, songs and, and cheering. And that put a lot of pressure on the Arsenal team. And you could see that gave West Ham a lot of uh, confidence. And players like Jared Bowen and Michel Antonio really dominated uh, playing long ball and and using their bodies. And Tom, you must have been happy. I know you like to see possession-based football, but you must have been happy to see West Ham able to play a type of football that exploits the strengths that they do have. I would absolutely agree. Just as I was, uh, you know, so frustrated for that first half an hour of the game with Moyes' tactics, actually... Against this Arsenal team, those tactics were perfect in the second half, particularly, as you mentioned, those two players uh, were standout performers. Michael and Mikel Antonio is so dangerous running into those channels, using his body. I thought he was our, our man of the match yesterday. And Bowen has really found a wonderful streak of form uh, recently. Every time he gets the ball, he's so uh, penetrative with his runs. He's very direct and he's always making something happen. So, uh, you know, I, I have to say that these tactics, counter-attacking football, worked well for West Ham. And as a result, when I looked at the statistics, I believe we ended up creating more chances, having more shots than Arsenal in the game. And most of those came in the second half. But Tim, you I want to challenge you on one thing. You said uh, the decisive moment was how Arsenal reacted. 
But you know that I'm going to call out another decisive moment, a turning point perhaps, not just a turning point in this game, perhaps a turning point in the campaign for Arsenal this season. What moment am I going to talk about? You're going to talk about the penalty. I am, yes. And it, uh, uh, Firstly, before, before we talk about the penalty, do you think it was a penalty? Uh, yes. Could you remind me of, of the incident? I... Yes, of course. It was a shot from the edge of the area. Uh, Martinelli played it back in and uh, Mikel Antonio was trying to pressure him uh, running out. He did have his arm extended. It was horizontal. Um, I think the word natural or unnatural position is an unfair word to use uh, in terms of judging penalties because you can run with your arms horizontally uh, or you can jump with your arms up. So I don't like this word unnatural position, but I do think we can objectively say when when arms are horizontal or vertical, um, they can be punished because you're making your body bigger. He was making his body bigger. It was a silly one to give away really because it was a soft pass from Martinelli it wasn't going to anywhere um it was a, I don't even know if it was a shot or a pass it was going nowhere but Tom, yes I, say... I I have to say Tim I, I just to, to clarify I do agree with you there I think the rule has been in place now for about three or four years uh if you are in your box uh, your own penalty area as a defender uh you're running out to block a shot your arms have to be pinned to your side these days if your arm is up in any way even in a natural way as you say uh, that still gets given as a penalty and we've seen it given in games as important as the Champions League final I remember Liverpool against Tottenham uh, about three or four years ago so so yes absolutely it was a penalty it was frustrating it wasn't intentional but I agree with you yeah so the penalty decisive moment it was a terrible penalty Tom I mean if you don't hit the target um, you can't you can't defend a penalty in any way. I was surprised uh, to see Saka miss the penalty. It's his first penalty that he's missed since, of course, the European Cup uh, final against Italy uh, when he missed and he was criticised heavily for that. But I think the circumstances are quite different. In that game, he'd been introduced as a, as a substitute two minutes before the end. He was cold. Uh, in this game, he was on from the beginning. Um, but he's a young man. Uh, I know he's been Arsenal's star boy this season, but he, he, he is still a young guy. It's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I don't think you'll find any Arsenal fans blaming Saka, Tom. Um, I think you could say it could be a decisive turning point in our season, but if it wasn't for Bukayo Saka, we'd be nowhere near having a decisive point of a season to, to lose. So uh, these things happen in football. And why I don't really mention this as the turning point and why I blame that for first goal and the way Arsenal reacted to that first goal is because there was long enough left in the game after 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 West Ham's first goal. West Ham's first goal was in the 33rd minute. Um, the penalty miss was in the 55th or something minute. Um, and 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 sorry, the 52nd minute. And then two minutes later, West Ham went up the other end and scored. Um, I think there was plenty of opportunity. I'll let you, Tom, talk about the the second West Ham goal but even before the West Ham goal at 2-1 and when it was at 2-2 there was enough time left in the game for for a dominating team for a team that aspires to be champions to find a way to win and to reimpose their football West Ham weren't playing a, a type of football that should have surprised Arsenal um there was nothing revolutionary 
in kicking it long and letting Mikel Antonio chase it. And let's face it, he is an absolute master of what he does. He's incredibly strong. He's incredibly fast. He knows how to use his body. And the West Ham players, the midfielders and defenders know which channels he likes to run. Um, but if Arsenal can't do better than than that type of football, then we, we, we shouldn't pretend that it's a penalty stopping us winning the league. Absolutely. Yes, I, I can see your frustration as an Arsenal fan. Uh, often in these games, uh, when there is a chance for one team, in this case, a penalty miss uh, by Saka, uh, so often the momentum switches and the other team will go down the score, the other end and score. Uh, I, I said to my father, who was sitting next to me, oh, could this be a chance? Let's hope that West Ham can capitalise on this because uh, it's kind of a psychological blow when your team misses that chance to go 3-1 up and secure your advantage. Uh, that surely would have put the game to bed. Uh, but the goal that West Ham scored was a very, very nice goal by Jared Bowen. Uh, I believe a cross came in and it was half cleared. It came back out to a West Ham player. Uh, I was watching the, in the replay, the run of Jared Bowen, he sprinted back out the box, uh, but then timed his run perfectly so that as the cross came in, as as the, the West Ham player foot made contact with the ball, Bowen was there turning around, darting back into the box, which gave him one or two metres advantage on the, the Arsenal defenders, uh, playing himself on side. So I thought it was a very clever piece of movement by him to come out and then change direction at the perfect moment of time. The, it was a half volley finish that bounced into the ground and up, making it difficult for Ramsdale, who did get a hand on it, but not enough to keep it out of the post. Uh, it looked like he might get enough on it to stop the shot, but in the end, the shot was too good from Bowen. So uh, from a West Ham point of view, as you can imagine, we were delirious at that point. Uh, we even had a chance to win it. Do you remember Mikel Antonio had a had a header, which he uh, I think he just headed over towards the end of the game. Uh, he Arsenal, was offside. Was he offside? Okay. Yeah, he was offside. <laughs> okay. Arsenal did also have chances to win the game later. But on, don't I don't get me wrong. When it when it hit the when it hit the side of the post, at that moment I didn't know it was offside. So the fear it created inside me was a deep fear. And it accelerated my heart to an unhealthy velocity, uh, which was certainly unsustainable. Tom, uh, I don't know what it felt like. I mean, in terms of the league position, a point really is no good for us. And it's not brilliant for West Ham either. But in terms of momentum, the, the way that uh, the way that this West Ham team must feel after last night's uh, result must just be incredible. I'm looking at the league table now. You've now got um, four points between you and the drop zone. You're, you're four points ahead of Crystal Palace. But more importantly, or equally importantly, there's now two teams between West Ham and uh, Nottingham Forest in the drop zone. So it, the likelihood of, of you being the side to have two or three bad games and slip into that uh, relegation zone is looking increasingly unlikely. Um, I heard an interview, I heard a very... Uh, insightful clever West Ham fan on the radio I know you don't find many of them Tom but there was a clever West Ham fan on the radio and he was saying if we sacked David Moyes who would we want to employ 
to, to get us out of, of, a, of a crisis at the end of the season? Well, we'd be looking for someone just like David Moyes. Um, <laughs> and his point was saying he was point was his point was that all of these other clubs that have that have changed manager towards the end of the season, uh, David Moyes would have been number one on every single one of those clubs lists, uh, not for the relegation teams, maybe excluding Chelsea. Um, so, Tom, do you think it's time to admit you've been a bit harsh on David Moyes? He's still in the European, the Europa Conference League. The relegation is looking unlikely. He's overperformed for the past two seasons with a very agricultural set of players. Is it time to take your hat off to him and say, all right, David, you've done some good work? I would have said that one season ago, but this season, no. David has given us moments of happiness and he's given us some important victories, including, our well, the draw against Arsenal and the win last week against Fulham, the win three weeks ago against Southampton. So he's giving us bits, but for a club like West Ham with the squad we've got, uh, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that it would be right to sack him now. If we were to have sacked him, it should have been before the World Cup, in my opinion, when Unai Emery was still available, preferably. Because uh, that's the thing. You want to get someone in who's going to be better than Moyes. And that's clearly, there's not many managers who can do the job better than him. Uh, so I still think Moyes has to go because we're so limited tactically i think these days in the in the year 2023 you have to be able to play possession football sometimes uh i've just watched leeds united get thumped at home 6-1 to liverpool and again you see the difference between a team who can play possession football and a team that's more used to playing a kind of counter-attacking style so uh but i tell you what tim if west ham can win the Europa Conference League, and, and we'll be feeling very confident with our home leg against Ghent. We drew 1-1 away. We were a bit lucky. But after this draw against Arsenal, we'll know on a Thursday night with the crowd behind us, we can beat Ghent at home. If we can win that Conference League, if we can stay in the Premier League, then the future can still be bright for West Ham without Declan Rice because we are expecting him to go. Well, I was going to go on to some of the standout performances. And I think that's where West Ham did win the game uh, in terms of win the battle. They really came back into the game. And it was because they stopped Arsenal um, finding their rhythm. And the, the main heart of who stopped Arsenal finding their rhythm was was exactly that, Declan Rice. I'd like to say uh, Paqueta as well had a great game. But I think essentially they won the the midfield battle. I haven't seen Thomas Partey lose the ball as many times as I saw him lose the ball yesterday. I think all season. Uh, Granite Jacker, who has uh, he's got a love hate relationship with a lot of the Arsenal fans, but he's had a good season. And again, he he was uh, limited with possession uh, yesterday. He he didn't have many options on the ball. And I think uh, the combination of Paqueta and Declan Rice was absolutely phenomenal. Personally speaking, I would say my De Declan Rice was my man of the match. There's lots of talk of him going to uh, on to maybe Champions League clubs. I think uh, uh, Chelsea are interested in in taking him back because, of course, he came through their youth system. I know Arsenal have been heavily linked with him as well. Um, 
There, he, I do think he will move on. But I think there are other players in that time that in that side as well. Paqueta looks like he's finding his feet in the Premier League, and to find your feet is to start to feel comfortable in a new air and a new situation. Do you think Paqueta could be part of the long-term solution for West Ham? I think he can. He's he's uh, done better than our other big summer signing, Skamaka. I'm expecting that he's already, his agent has already arranged his next club for him. But I think Paqueta will stay at least one other season. Although, again, a player the quality of Paqueta, you have to be able to offer him European football and the chance of winning trophies, or he will move on as well. So we might get one more year out of Paqueta. Or, as I said... Our hope is to win the Europa Conference League. Then we can bring in some more big guns, some more big name signings uh, and go back up the table where we want to belong, where we, where we don't we don't really feel we belong, but we want to get there. Now, we've, we've got the, the fans, we've got the stadium, we've got the money. Uh, I think that the future could be bright for West Ham. I think, yeah, I mean, West Ham has the potential, as you say, it has the fans stadium and and it now has maybe a bit more financial strength than in the past. West Ham are one of these clubs in a very difficult position where managing fan expectations is one of the most difficult things because they've got all the ingredients of any great English club. I mean, what what's the difference between West Ham, Arsenal, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Everton? I mean, really, they've all got the same basic ingredients. Um, the difference being they've they've either won stuff and therefore elevated their reputation over the years or not. And it must be frustrating. Um, moving on to Arsenal, I mean... Tom, I think probably you'll give me a more objective answer than I'm able to produce. Uh, do you think it's over? Do you think our title uh, run is over? Or do you think uh, it's 50-50? Or do you think we're still slight favourites? What would you say? Well, I used the phrase turning point earlier. And, uh, you know, I, I did this partly as a bit of banter because the, the idea that it could be a pivotal moment in your season, Saka missing that penalty. Uh, I, but I, I stand by that it could be the turning point just simply because Manchester City now have it within their own hands because uh, Arsenal only drawing mean that Manchester City can use their game in hand to get within reach of Arsenal and then they have to play Arsenal, I believe at the Etihad Stadium, there's a game coming up. So if yes. Manchester City win that, then they can go back to the top of the table. So I would say that given the experience and the, the pedigree of a club like Manchester City, they are slight favourites now, even though Arsenal are on top. Arsenal are a young squad and they don't have the experience that Manchester City do. But it's not necessarily over. There's still, I believe, seven or eight games to go, uh, which means there's enough time for either club to slip up. There will be more drama, more twists and turns. I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, a straight run in of straight victories for either team. Yeah, I think I agree uh, wholeheartedly, completely. Um, Manchester City are favourites. They've got the experience. Uh, and more than that, they're playing some great football. I think they've found their best form of the season at the right time. And I think you could also argue that this is maybe the most complete Manchester City side that Pep Guardiola has had. Um, I think they beat Bayern Munich with 45% possession, uh, the lowest possession that a Pep Guardiola side has ever had whilst 
Brest winning the match and they won it 3-0. Um, so they're able to win games in various ways, which was always the criticism of Manchester City, that if it didn't go, uh, if their beautiful football and passing didn't work, well, the team didn't find ways to get to get the result. Uh, and I think the season's different with Haaland and how they've adapted to integrate Haaland into the side. Um, I think it's definitely possible for Arsenal. Uh, in some ways, it makes uh, the 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 team talks quite easy. Uh, now we just need to tell our players to go out there and win. A draw is not good enough at any time now. Uh, and it's still kind of the same situation. Before, we needed to go to the Etihad and not lose. A draw or an Arsenal victory would keep us top of the table. And now we need to go to the Etihad and not lose. A draw or a victory will keep us top of the table. We're four points clear, but... We We've played one game more. So the way I see it, we're one point clear of Manchester City. We can't afford to be level on points because their goal difference is, I think, seven better. And with Erling Haaland in the side, it's only going to get better. I think the crucial thing to, to think about here is what's changed. Why is this Arsenal side suddenly um, not winning games uh, that it's in comfortable positions? And let's not forget, this is now two weeks in a row. We've been winning 2-0 and we've drawn 2-2 for the first time. In, in our history, we've thrown away two goal leads in consecutive weeks. Um, and I think there's a uh... There's there's one there's one explanation. It's a very tall explanation, and it goes by the name of William Saliba. Uh, he was injured uh, just before the international breaks, playing in a Europa League game, a game that lots of Arsenal fans would have preferred that he hadn't played in, a game that we lost anyway. Um, and since then, Rob Holding's been in the team. And it's not that Rob Holding's a bad defender. He's a good defender. But with the ball, he's nowhere near as uh, calm and accomplished as Saliba, which allows other teams like West Ham did yesterday to press us very high and to force the mistake. And that's what West Ham were able to do yesterday. That's what Liverpool were able to do the week before. Um and it also means because holding is a lot slower, Arsenal have to play a lot deeper as a back line, which means as a consequence, our midfielders have to play deeper to create no space between the midfield and the defence, which means our high press is suffering. So it sounds like a bit of an excuse, um, but there are genuine reasons why a defender like William Saliba's absence can have uh, knock-on effects. And when I say a knock-on effect, I mean a consequential, a secondary effect. Um, and, I, and I think it is a big part of it. I think another factor is the way the wheels came off Arsenal's top four push last season. When I say the wheels came off, that means the plan uh, stopped being successful. It does ring a bit like deja vu. We were in a comfortable position for the top four last season. We had some crucial games. We didn't get the results we needed. And suddenly the pressure was uh, mounting. The pressure was increasing. And it does feel a bit like that. Tom, uh, I offered you the options of our Manchester City favourites. Is it a 50-50? or our Arsenal slight favourites. And unfortunately, my opinions changed this weekend. I'm going to say that it's now in Manchester City's hands. And um, and if I, I, it's going to be very difficult for Arsenal. That being said, even if we finish second, it's been an incredibly successful season. I think if you'd have offered Arsenal fans second place at the beginning of the year, none of them would have believed you. If you'd have said that we'd have been top of the league for this amount of time, they definitely wouldn't have believed you. So, Tom, I think that's more or less all we've got time for on the Arsenal-West Ham special. Um, 
Let's try not to talk about this game ever again. Um, <laughs> and that would be fine by me. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, Tim, I think the future is still very bright. You know, even if Arsenal finish second this season, they have got enough attention from players, agents, uh, that you would be able to find a world-class substitution for William Saliba for next season. Uh, not good news for Rob Holding, but uh, good news for Arsenal Football Club and your chances of silverware. So Indeed. I'll leave you on that optimistic note and say thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in, uh, sharing in my uh, celebrating a, a draw like a victory, commiserating Tim, and uh, we'll talk very soon. We'll be back to talk about some more football in the very near future. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Tim. Bye-bye.